Hi, welcome to Colonial Williamsburg, past and present on history.org. This is Behind the Scenes. Hi, welcome to the podcast. I'm Harmony Hunter. Today my guest is author Tony Williams, whose new book is titled The Pox and the Covenant, Franklin, Mather, and the Epidemic that Changed America's Destiny. Thanks for being with us today. Thank you very much, Harmony. It's good to be here. So I've, I read um, your manuscript, and the way I want to kind of unpack this story, we've got a virus, a town, a reverend, and a doctor. Can you start by telling us about the virus? Well, smallpox came on board a ship from Barbados because, of course, Boston was part of the whole transatlantic trade network, this global British empire. And it came aboard uh, the ship. Uh, some sailors had it. And, of course, they went ashore on leave and transmitted it to the population. The uh, disease then started, be started spreading. It became uh, an epidemic uh, rather quickly. So that's the virus. We've got the smallpox virus, which is extremely virulent, very contagious. So it lands in Boston in 1721, and we almost instantly have an epidemic. Tell me about Boston in 1721. Well, Boston is America's biggest city at the time, with a population almost 11,000. And uh, it, it's a trade hub, a very important trade hub of the British Empire. And it has a, a large seafaring population. And so uh, it was uh, a center point for diseases like this because uh, there was so much interaction with, with the Caribbean, with Great Britain, with Europe. Uh, and so it was uh, always a powder keg waiting to explode in terms of disease, you might say. Now, Boston was a Puritan town. How did that make the way for the virus? Well, it, it's rather interesting because the Puritans in general, the population, and even many of the doctors saw the disease as God's punishment, as God's will. And so they said, we cannot intervene against God's will and try to stop it. We just have to let it run its course. We have a virus ripping through Boston, which is a very populous trade hub. And at the time, the prevalent thinking is that you should just let the virus run its course, infect who it will, because this is a test of faith, this is a punishment from God. So then comes the new idea, a guy named Cotton Mather, he's a minister. Tell us about how his perspective changed the way that this virus was approached. All right, well Mather is of course one of the most important Puritan ministers. He had a long lineage stretching back to the founding of Massachusetts. And he's one of the leaders of the town. He's very well respected. And he's also, besides a man of the cloth, besides being a man of God, he's also a man of science. He was perhaps the preeminent scientist of his day. And a lot of people don't realize that. And he had read how inoculation was being done primarily in, in Greece and Turkey and that part of the world. And he resolved, based upon all the suffering that he saw, in Boston, not only among his own family, but he had had smallpox as, as, a, as a young man. And also uh, seeing the suffering among his congregation and among the population, he, he decided that he was going to call a meeting of the doctors next time smallpox appeared in Boston and was going to test out this hypothesis. And that's really all it was. It was a hypothesis that, that it worked. 
So inoculation, this is the big idea. This is the idea that hasn't been tried out before in the Americas. So it's, it's innovative, but it's also ancient. You mentioned some other countries where inoculation had already been an established treatment. Where else were they using inoculation? Right, it had been done, as I said, in, in Africa and also in China. I believe there are some reports of it being done in China. And then also, as I said, in Greece and Turkey. And uh, it was seen as, as a radical innovation. And uh, Cotton Mather said, well, let's give it a try. People are already dying of smallpox, so why not give it a try? And, and it, was, it was a procedure in which they made a small incision in the arm. They placed live smallpox virus from, from a victim who was suffering from smallpox. They put it right into the arm. And a person would, of course, get smallpox. Uh, but the symptoms were usually a bit milder, and the death rate was much lower. It was only about 1% or 2%, as opposed to getting it in the common way of person-to-person -person contact, in which about 15% to 20% would normally die in an epidemic. So back on the ground in Boston in 1721, you've got a minister who's read his whole life about medicine. He's read about this idea of inoculation. And so... Here comes smallpox, and Cotton Mather knows it's time. What does he do? How does he start? Well, he writes a letter to the, all of the doctors asking them to convene and consider this innovation that, that he's read about and, and talked about with others. And uh, they all refuse him, of course. And finally, uh, after I think about a week or two, he, he tries again. And finally, one brave doctor decides to try it. And his name is Dr. Boylston. And he actually tried it out on his own son, as well as two of his slaves. And uh, trying it out on his son, of course, showed the confidence that he had in trying it. Uh, of, of course, that, that small boy, I think he was about six years old, he, he could have died, of course. And so uh, very daring and courageous for him to try it out on his own son. He does on the three people, it works. And so more people hear about this and, and come to him and, and he tries it out on more willing patients. And after about 12 or, or 13 uh, attempts, they all survive uh, and he's convinced that it works. Uh, unfortunately, this also sets off just a complete firestorm of opposition uh, to him and Mather as they become the object of all sorts of invective and, and even threats of violence. So that sounds like a pretty good demonstration. Why are they getting such strong opposition from the town leaders? I think the doctors uh, were opposed to it for, for a couple of reasons. Uh, one is they couldn't understand why in the world you would give people smallpox when they're already getting smallpox. They, they couldn't think outside their, their paradigm, their way of thinking. They couldn't think outside the box and try something new. Uh, they also, as I said before, made very fundamentalist and Calvinistic arguments against it. The doctors, these supposed men of science, were saying, you have to follow the will of God. And so they made religious arguments against it. And then finally, I think they just hated Cotton Mather. Uh, he was a minister. They thought he had no business uh, telling them how to do their physician duties and, and, and how to be a doctor. And, and the population... Uh, follow it along with, with those ideas. Uh, and I think they were particularly worried that, that smallpox was going to spread as a result 
of the inoculation. And in many ways, they were right. Their fears were justified. Uh, the one failure that Boylston and Mather uh, can be blamed for is the fact that during inoculation, sometimes they would let people go abroad. They would let people leave the home. Uh, one guy even went to fight a fire just as he's, his symptoms were starting. Some patients were allowed to go out and even have visitors and so forth. And, and this may have contributed to the spread, but on the other hand, it, it showed the, the success of, of a very great medical innovation. So what does it mean that this minister and the one doctor he's able to convince, they're, they're working steadily, they're trying to inoculate the population, but it doesn't gain wide acceptance. What did it mean for the future? Well, for the future, I, I think that it, it leads to, to a couple different things. I think short term, uh, they showed that it worked. Uh, and Dr. Boylston even came up with really one of the first uh, compendium of statistics and, and sort of a case study of each patient and, and later transmitted that to the Royal Society where it was accepted. Inoculation was, of course, also being simultaneously, although independently, tried by Lady Montague over in Great Britain. And uh, she showed that it worked too, and, and of course there was opposition there as well. Uh, I think for the longer term, it, it certainly is later accepted by the medical establishment, by the population, uh, although not uncritically. There, there's still opposition even here in Virginia uh, as late as the 1760s and 1770s. Uh, but, but for the most part, it gains acceptance and leads by uh, almost in, in the year, I think, 1799 or so to Edward Jenner's famous experiments uh, with, with cowpox and vaccination. And that, of course, would lead to the eventual eradica eradication of the disease in about 1978. And so uh, you can trace the lineage of that eradication to Cotton Mather's and Dr. Boylston's very courageous experiments all the way back in 1721. All right, Tony, thanks for being with us today. We look forward to the publication of your new book. Where can people find that? Well, the book will be published by Sourcebooks probably in, in early 2010, actually. But they can get a read a, an excerpt, which is in the paperback version of my book, The Hurricane of Independence, which will be published on July 1st, 2009. Great. Tony, thanks so much for being with us today. Thank you very much. That's Colonial Williamsburg, past and present this time. We like hearing from you. Send us a comment at history.org slash podcasts. Check back often. We'll post more for you to download and hear.